Good afternoon, everybody. Just bringing up Harms. Somebody sounds like somebody is driving a mower around outside Harms' house. So if that gets too noisy, then I'll, I'll be talking a lot more while they finish up mowing. I love yeah. it. They decided to do it right now. I know. Literally, the minute before we're about to go live, they're mowing right outside the window. They're sat the windows and things like that. So. If it, if, it, if it doesn't disappear, it seems to be quietening down, then I'll put myself on mute and you'll just you'll hear Carl for the first five minutes. Yeah. Um, so it's Friday. It's the final part of the week. We are still, if you're watching this, at the current time and date, we're still locked down. So coronavirus, it, that pandemic is still floating around the world. Um, so again, if you're affected, our hearts go to you, your family, uh, in, in any way, whether it's financial, job, whether it's the fact that you're going crazy sitting at home, whatever it is, it's going to affect people in different ways. But hopefully there's also an opportunity to do something different, make a change, learn something new, which is if you have been following along this week, this is probably an incredible week to have followed along with. Because if you, from Monday up to today, you could have, have identified a niche market and a way to solve that market's problem based on all of the exercises that we have given you and the theory that goes behind that this week. So leading up to yesterday, we had you work out in which way you can actually solve the market's problem. How how do you actually provide value to them? How specifically based on typical value forms? And again, we're leveraging the the personal MBA, Josh Kaufman's theory behind this. And we selected three for you to get started with. Those three were products, subscriptions, and services in that order. And the reason for creating in that order is this value ladder here. Now, we're not talking about that today. Uh, maybe a bit later, we'll, we'll summarize with that. But right now, if you, if you want to catch up with everything here and get to the point where you've identified a gap in the market in which you now want to serve and you now have got some ideas on how you want to serve that remember it's product first then subscription then service in the way in which you're going to form that value so that's what we that's where we've got to up to this point in time now kyle what are we going to be covering today sure so very briefly over uh, the rest of today and remember this is the final step in the process of working out our business um, today we're going to be looking at what the competitors are doing what are they already providing to this market we have over the course of the week proved that there is a market um, so now we're going to be looking and seeing what value is already out there how are the market's problems already being solved um, and we're going to be using this as a jumping off point so the whole idea here is we're going to be looking at how our competitors are solving the market's problems and then we are going to be thinking and working through a series of steps to work out how can we better solve those problems how can we make it easier or faster for our customers um, for the market to get to their end result how can we do better than what the competitors are already doing out there um, and then from that point once we've worked out how we're going to do better, how we are going to more efficiently um, solve our market's problems, then we're going to start plugging these uh, products and services and subscriptions into our first version of the value ladder, the value ladder, which you just saw a picture of and uh, we covered in more detail yesterday. But our hope is by the end of uh, today and the end of this week, you should have a very clear statement of this is the market this is their problem and this is how I'm going to solve it and have your value ladder with the, 
different products, uh, the different subscriptions and services in place, all of which are going to be um, uh, created in order to solve the problems of the people in the market. Um, Great. So, so that leads us on... today for sure. We're going to get, you're going to have hopefully a document, a bit of paper that has the steps and the products and services you're going to be creating um, to kickstart your business. Mm. Okay, so that leads us nicely on to the first point Carl mentioned, which is competitor research. And if you was to put a title on this first section, it would be, let's identify what's already working, because we don't have to reinvent the wheel here. Now, if you are of a natural entrepreneurial creative tendency, a, a natural problem solver, the reality is you would have already gone out to solve something, or by Wednesday, Thursday, in this week's uh, show, you would have started to write down exciting ideas. This is the product I want to create. This is the product I want to create. Okay, I think I've cornered the market here. I've got an idea. But let's take a step back. And because that's amazing. So do keep keep jotting those ideas down. That's fantastic. But we want to give you a structure and a system that works and a way for you to, again, take the guesswork out of things. And the way we do that is by looking at what already is working. But some people may say, but Harms and Carl, does that mean I'm going to copy what they're doing? And the answer is no, actually, no, we're going to look at what's working, but answer the problem and provide a solution in a different way to help serve. It could be the same customers, or it could be customers that are currently not being served within that market space. And that will help identify what you as in me or Kai or you the person who's going to be starting that business can specifically bring uh, in terms of a solution to the problem to the market and that is how you start to differ differentiate yourself rather than thinking but just because I'm a different person I'm naturally going to be different let's work through a process and a system to see what's already working is that a good way to start that section Carl? Absolutely by solving similar problems to what your competitors are already solving but solving them in your particular way you're automatically going to have a unique product um, you're going to have different stories and different background to bring to the table you have different ways of explaining and um, consulting or teaching depending on what your product is um, so myself i tend to create things that are extremely systematic um, very logical and systematic that's just my style that's how i like to create products for other people it will be more emotional they'll be able to engage uh, their customers in an emotional way and even if i'm teaching or producing a product that is um, solving a similar problem my product is going to end up being different to the product um, somebody who comes at it from an, a more an emotional engagement uh, point of view we, we will be solving the same problem, but our product's going to be totally different because of who we are and the um, the personality we will personally put into our products. Absolutely. But we what we can do with, by the end of the show, you're also going to have a mechanism which you can improve on what's already out there by using four factors. So four key factors we're going to talk about, which also doesn't necessarily have to involve you because the other argument is, or the other way of looking at the same coin is, look, I've got my own personal way of doing something that is applicable, but we may not know how to get that across to the customer. So we're going to share with you four key mechanisms in which you can actually get across the fact that you are different to the end customer and you are different to what's out there in the market without having them to convince I'm a more systematic person. I'm, I will come at this in an engaging way or that they will start to see 
and as the and my personal thought is as the brand grows that becomes obvious to them and future customers but if you're starting this from scratch there's got to be more of a formulaic approach to how we do this now the first exercise within the section to do is simply this we want to see what products are currently out there in the three categories we spoke about yesterday and those three categories are if you remember from the value ladder product subscription service now carl what is the actual activity to do when looking within these three categories sure so we are just doing a survey at this point we want to see what the landscape is and how competitors how other people in the market are solving the problems um, of their potential customers and we can look as you say at these three categories these three types of value um, so product services and subscriptions for products pretty simple you'd head on to amazon first um, so you're looking for specifically ebooks are people selling ebooks um, so you can search within the kindle or, or the book section of amazon and all you're doing is plugging in for example in this example backyard chickens or whatever your your niche happens to be and you will see all of the products all of the ebooks and books that are being produced you can do the, exactly the same thing with courses um, and then for services and subscriptions you'd probably use google um, but all we're doing at the moment we are not doing an exhaustive competitive analysis we are simply seeing what is out there we're noting it down um, with a rough price point you may um, want to do a deeper dive later but right now I recommend you just you, you stick them on post-it notes and you start to group them up together um, so these are all the ebooks bum, 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 and you collect uh, on each post on one post-it note you'll have one ebook the name of the ebook and the price you stick it down um, you find another ebook somewhere else same thing boom 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 you just collect them all together that's all we're doing at the moment is a survey so so once you've then done that first initial survey and, and like amazon's a great place to go google's a great place to go that carl's described is get a piece of paper out and it, i recommend a piece of paper which is slightly larger than this yeah um, an A3 would work quite well. So or whiteboard or, or whiteboard. If you have and that's great. Draw this value ladder out, and you can do it in three columns, like I've done here. You can do it as a funnel, however you prefer. Now, title the sections: product, subscription, service. Because what we want to then do is take these post-it notes that we started to collate. Again, it's all rough at this stage, and start to put them and place them in different parts of the value ladder because we mentioned backyard chickens and if, if you're listening to this and it's for the first time you may be thinking what, what what on earth are they talking about backyard chickens well this week we identified that that's one potential profitable niche which we work the listeners of the show the bbo show through uh through a daily process different exercises every day to help you identify your niche now it may not be backyard chickens but in the research that we've done we found backyard chickens and it was extra interesting because we have no uh, sort of link or tie to that. We're digital marketers, online business creators. We have no link to backyard chickens as a niche. So that just popped up and it shows that regardless of what your interest is in using this system, you can start to extract what niches look good, what what would potentially be profitable, a gap in the market. And that's, that's when we say backyard chickens, that applies to any niche that you've identified at this stage. So start to put the post-it notes in these particular sections. Um, so we can start to visually see the value ladder, but not just your value ladder at this stage, but the competitive 
competitive value ladder that's out there in the world, Amazon, Google. Again, not a deep dive, but just a quick search. Um, if it's a deep dive, I think that's that may, if, if it's hard for your customer to find, you know, you don't have to worry about it. So just look at the surface stuff, what's available on Amazon, what's available on Google. Now, so we would do, so when we have decided, this is a later date and we'll cover this in other courses, when we've decided, okay, I'm going to make a course, that's when we would do the research deep dive. We'd look at everything that's out there already and then we would use uh, that competitive research to work out what exactly we're going to be putting in our course. Right now, though, we're just looking for the general shape of the market, um, the general value ladder that is out there and gaps in the value ladder that we can fill in. So talk about the gaps. Okay, so let's just assume, right, they've got the value ladder, they've done their quick scan research on products, subscription services, they put them on post-it notes and they've started to populate their own value ladder visually. So now they're like, okay, there's 10 eBooks here. There's maybe two courses here. There's a couple of products here. Um, somebody does um, live videos or, or they have coaching on this particular product and they start to post these things up. You, you mentioned gaps. Now, what do you mean by gaps? Or is, I imagine that's the next stage now. Sure. So um, as we've gone through, we already know that there's a market. People are already making money in this, um, in this particular market. We've gone through that research earlier in the week. Um, what may not have happened in this particular niche though, uh, there may not be a good value ladder in place. So what you'll tend to see is individual businesses will sell one product or they will sell one service um, and they won't necessarily be able to talk to the whole market, solve the market's problems in a step-by-step -step fashion, which is something we've talked about as a very valuable way to uh, address your market's problems. So when you draw out this chart and when you start sticking your post-it notes on for what products and services and subscriptions are already out there you will see physical gaps on the paper there will be parts of this value ladder um, that do not have very many post-it notes they do not have many products or services addressing this stage of the value ladder what you tend to see is lots of stuff at the low end and lots of stuff at the high end the mid ground tends to be um, left out and we'll talk about that in more detail but it's going to depend on your niche and your market um you will see mm. different patterns but that's we're going to look at different ways to find gaps but this is the most uh direct it is oh wow literally nobody is doing a video course on this yeah um, and and that's that's a books and you know with thousands of reviews each and there are people selling a service um, to help you do this but nobody's doing a video course you and you can see that physically on the page you're like okay wow that's uh, great. I need to do that. Yeah, because it, you will physically see the gap. Now, let me just add another layer to this because um, the best way to start to see gaps is look, if you look at these smaller words ebook, course, physical course, membership, digital subscription, membership, physical subscription, events, group, consultancy, coaching, those were examples of what would typically fall into a product, subscription, service within that value ladder. So now, if you want to take this to the next level and start to identify the gaps quickly on the paper, start to categorize them into these elements, ebook, course, physical, that makes up the products. Do the same for subscription, do the same for service. And then you can start to see gaps within that value offering. And what do I mean by value offering? I mean, product, subscription, service. Now, Carl mentioned on a great point, which allows us to move on to the next phase of this, um, determining on how we can better serve the market or how do we even enter the market in the first place is now we need to 
now we've physically seen the gaps, we can start to work out how to better serve the market. So that leads us on to the next section. So solving, I guess that I guess a title, if you want to title this, is solving problems better than anyone else. And a little caveat here, it's not necessarily. Um, I'll, actually, I won't, I won't leave the surprise. Let, let's let's work through the process, and then we can talk about personal um, uh, personal opinions regarding solving problems, the market's opinions regarding solving problems, and so on and so forth. So, if you were, if you're taking notes along with the BBO show, the title to write here is "Solving Problems Better Than Anyone Else." So, Carl, how can we serve the market better? That's the big question now, and we're going to share with them a few different ways as we go forward. Sure. Um, so most of this uh, lesson today will be about this. It's about what what does better mean, um, and how can we break that down into an actual actionable framework. Um, so before we can better solve the problems of our market, we need to know how our competitors are already solving those problems. We need a benchmark, basically. And that's why we started by having a look at what the competitors are doing. Um, we have identified any big, glaring physical gaps in the market um, in the value ladder, and that gives you a massive focus area. But apart from that, we can also start to look at the reviews of the current products, the feedback of the current products. Uh, Amazon's a really good place for reviews just because they collect a lot of reviews uh, for products in particular. Trustpilot's going to be good for services, uh, so trustpilot.com. Mm. And you can also look on popular, uh, each niche will tend to have a forum or somewhere where the people in the market hang out and they discuss things. It might be a Facebook group, it might be a forum. Um, but if you look up your competitor's name or the name of their product um, plus review on Google, you'll tend to find people um, discussing the pros and the cons of the various uh, offerings, the value offerings that are already in the market. Yeah, a bit of, a, a note of warning when doing this, which is something to be aware of, is when analysing reviews, when analysing people's description in forums, etc. A good rule of thumb is to ignore the extremes. Um, and what I mean by that is you ignore anybody who's rating things five stars um, because the, the the real real there's two reasons for that. One is they're very excited. Okay, yes, they love the product, great, but they love the product just so much that they can't say anything bad with it, you know. Or maybe they just had a fantastic experience. Okay, great, but that's one kind of extreme behavior. The whole five star behavior. The the other uh, danger with a five star review is look, we're dealing with the internet and it's very easy to get fake five star reviews. How do we know if they're genuinely legitimate? You know, Amazon may have mechanisms, but there's very smart, intelligent people out there which can bypass things short term mm -hmm. to stack a whole bunch of five-star reviews. How do I know that? We're baby shopping for stuff at the moment and on certain websites, um, I'm not going to name the names, but there's a stack load of five-star reviews and nobody would review things on these kind of websites. Amazon gets reviews, Trustpilot gets reviews, but those third-party websites which sell products a whole stack of five-star reviews mm, sounds a bit dubious. Now, that's one extreme. The other extreme is the zero stars or the two or the one star, the two star. These people are, I mean, you typically class them as haters or somebody who's extremely upset. And the reality is those people are exactly the same as the five-star people. They just feel a different extreme. They feel the, the darker side of, I love this so much. 
Now, they have either had a terrible experience or they feel like they've been ripped off or they are, again, a competitor trying to claw down another competitor. So what I would say is very simply, for those particular reasons, avoid it. The one and two stars, avoid the five stars. They are people who are either too happy, um, which is a bad thing in this case, or too angry, which is also a bad thing in this case. So where to focus is in between the three and four stars, where somebody is giving you a rational, realistic review. Hey, I love these five things about this product, but these two things could be improved. And you may look at that and say, okay, okay, now I can start to see a realistic review of a competitor. They've got a whole bunch of good stuff, but they've got a whole bunch of stuff which could be improved or people are not happy with. And now this is how we can start to leverage the reviews. That will be the same thing in reading an article or a forum post where somebody either slates a company or somebody's overly ecstatic about the company. We're looking for the commentary in between. That gives us a pros and cons. Uh, the best ones are long reviews when people actually write out their reasons. That's that's a goldmine for you as somebody who is entering the marketing, uh, the market. And yeah, if it's a three or four star review, it tends to be much more thought out because um, you have to go through quite a thought process before you give something three stars. That's it's yeah, a, it like, takes effort. Yeah, normally we'd just be like, okay, it does its job. Five stars, fine. Um, or we're really angry with it. So that three and four star mark, that's where we're looking to actually get useful, um, actionable feedback. Yeah, yeah. So removing the overly emotional parts of customer experiences and just looking for the more rational, uh, balanced reviews. We want the balanced reviews because what can we do with these reviews? When we're analyzing this, what are we looking for? Now we know we're looking at three and four stars or yep. something more thought out. What are we looking for within this? So the natural tendency would be to look at these reviews and then basically fulfill the requirement that the, the reviewer is is uh, suggesting. So to let's say a review has, okay, these are five good things. I would then go off and do those five good things in my product. Um, and then the reviewers also added, oh, these are two things you could do better. I would then do them as well. The problem with that is that we're just chasing around people's opinions. Um, and we are focusing a bit too much on the competitor's product. The whole point of looking at these reviews is not so that we are um, creating our products and services uh, entirely based as a reaction to our competitors, but instead we want to make the best product possible that solves the problem for the, the customer as quickly as possible. Um, so we need to keep the focus on the market, not necessarily on our competitor. And if we focus too much on our competitors' products, there's, uh, or, or competition as a whole, there's a, a tendency to forget that we are serving the market first. Mm, um, yeah. we're, not, we're not in business just to destroy competitors. Um, I mean, we'll talk about competition other weeks, I'm sure. But if you're focusing in entirely on your competitors, you're ignoring the actual market and the actual mm. market problems. So don't get too obsessed here. All we're looking for is um, starting points, uh, mentions in reviews of things that might be uh, might be ways to improve the products. That's all we're looking for, just starting points, because we're going to then go into a process of um, a deep dive of how we better solve the problems of our market. Great, which leads us nicely on to uh, Carl's spot on there, focus on the market. Yeah, not the competitor. Not the competitor. Yes, we're going to look at it, but we're not going to suddenly take 100% of our attention and become obsessed. The challenge is, is to become obsessed with 
okay, well, they're doing this. Well, they're doing this. We must must do this. Or this is what they're doing bad. Well, we must do, forget all of that. Let's give you a framework in which it allows you to better solve the, mar- uh, the market's problems, but also allows you to analyze the competitors a bit better using a framework. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are four core elements. Now, let's dive into this because this is where we can leave today's show with a way in which we can be better, which we can provide the market something different in which they may not have, and then apply that to our value ladder. So just to summarize, we have the gaps. Amazing. We now have a mechanism in which to look into the gaps, reviews, forums, Google, Amazon, um, some very common places which people spend their time, as we know. Now let's deep dive into this and actually work through an exercise in which how in which we can solve the market's problems better. Now, specifically, we're going to be covering four different ways. Now, these include number one: can we make can we do things and make the the customer's life easier and more convenient? Is that one way in which we can better solve the market's problem? Can we better solve the market's problem by number two? Just being more simple in the way in which we deliver present. Um, depending on what your product is, without overwhelming the customer. So that's number two. Number three is, can we better solve the market's problems by being more engaging? Can we can we be more engaging? Are we, is the competition boring or not engaging enough? As an example, can we be more engaging? That's number three. And then the final one is, very simply, can we be faster? Can we provide results faster? Can we have the delivery faster? Can we reduce friction? All things we're going to discuss. So that's four ways in which to attack the market as such. Um, You can change that word attack if you want, but there's many other mechanisms, but these four will definitely get you started and help you um, start to categorize. So even when you're you're looking at people's reviews, when you're looking at the discussion around the competition, start to categorize some of the takeaways rather than having you know, a jumbled piece of list, you can start to put it into easier, convenient, more simple, less overwhelmed, more engaging, faster. And now you've got some four mechanisms of which you can be better and solve the market's problem better. So Carl, over to you for number one, which is uh, how can we make things easier? Mm. So very briefly on your last point, um, mm. these are four different ways, four different vectors to approach um, improving product, improving uh, the way you solve the market's problems. There will be many more, but the point of today is to give you a toolbox um, because ultimately creating a product or service is a creative process. It's going to have so many different factors, um, listening to the market, listening to yourself, uh, listening to what the competitors are doing, etc. There's going to be so many factors. All we can do right now is give you a toolbox and say, okay, these are ways you can um, negotiate this problem and come out with better products and services. So we're going to give you four right now, um, but of course there are going to be more. So the first one, the first one is, okay, the market has a problem. They want to get that problem solved. They want to reach the end result. How can we make that journey easier for them? Um, So they're going from A to B, and we want to make that journey as easy as possible. Um, There's a couple of ways we can do this. Now, one, which works really well online is I'm going to call it a format upgrade. Um, so let's say that in your particular niche, there are lots of eBooks. Um, there are lots of people buying eBooks that tell them how to solve their problem. That's fantastic. Um, 
the fact that there are lots of ebot books being sold, lots of reviews, lots of happy customers is good. That means there's a vibrant market that we can serve. Now, if there are ebooks, are there audio courses or audio versions of books? What are they called? Audio books. That's a good word for it. Are there audio books? Are there video courses? If not, there's a massive opportunity here. Um, text is great, ebooks are great, but if we can make the consumption of that information, the information they require to solve their problem, if we can make that consumption easier, then we're going to better serve the market. So audio is easier to consume than text because a lot of people, they commute. Um, I think the average commute in America is an hour and a half. So something crazy like that so that's a lot of time to be listening to an audiobook and that's an hour and a half less each day to be sitting at home reading a book um, so audiobooks are just easier than text and what about video video allows you to deliver the material in a much more engaging fashion um, and they can fit it into their lunch break while sitting on their phone again a bit easier than getting out a book reading the book um, so can you upgrade the format if there's already ebooks being sold if the ebooks are doing well but nobody is doing audiobooks and nobody are doing uh, video books of this kind of information that's a nice easy win and something that you can do to make it easier for your market to reach uh, their end result mm, absolutely and you know you you may uh, at every stage of the value ladder what we want to be doing is making people's lives easier that's that's the key how can we make their life as easy as possible that's a powerful question to ask because then one method is like carl said is a format upgrade now another method is removing choice now that's a tricky one to wrap your head around but if if you have way too much choice to consume one piece of content or you have way too much information in terms of available choice it becomes very difficult to make a decision and start. It, it becomes a lot more difficult for the customer to say, yep, I know exactly my first starting point, which is where, you know, this is why um, some restaurants limit their menu offering, which is why some, which is why, you know, possibly buffets have died in certain regions have died down over time one is margins but it could just be that this is way too much choice for a customer they end up wasting so much uh, food or item when actually the customer only wanted one thing under the mexican topic uh, or the flavor one thing under the indian flavor one thing under the chinese as so and so forth and pizza etc they didn't want all of that choice you've God. got companies like where, where have you been eating wow <laughs> i know that was back in the day that was back in the day I, i've not seen no buffet place like that in in <laughs> london slash the uk um go to america i mean you walk into a food mall and they've got everything uh, when i recently went to malaysia they've got the same so example of a company who has removed choice or made it a lot less available and i know this is not a digital example but uh, five guys five guys is an example they've got like you can get this burger or this burger and that's it you can have this chip with these two seasonings and that's it um so that's an example because it allows them the the ease of choice it means they don't have to think about oh is this should i get should i should i use this digital product should i have this audio product it just means there's one place for them to go to now to allow that to be the case there must be a i i personally feel a very strong gap where nobody else is fulfilling it then Otherwise, somebody else is also providing them that choice. So just bear that in mind with that. So another way to make it easier for them is to remove choice. Mm -hmm. So if, if a competitor has, you know, 20 different products um, 
at the entry level, that gives you an opportunity to simplify that process for them yeah. um, to basically say, oh no, okay, that's great, but this is the thing you need. Um, and then they can at least start on that value ladder journey with you. Whereas with the competitor, it's overwhelming. There's actually academic research backing this up. Um, if you Google the JAM study, it was mm, basically it. a researcher, she set up um, a JAM stall in, in a supermarket and you could try out uh, JAM and then make a choice whether to purchase it or not. And they tried it with lots of different amounts of jams. So either three jams you could try or five jams or 15 jams. And basically the more jam was on offer, the more you could try, the more likely you were just to say, uh, no, it, it, was, it was overwhelming. You just wouldn't do it. Um, we're going to be talking about that in the second point as well. Though. Yeah, so make, the, make, the, make their life easier. Now, how that translates to websites? So how, how does that, not websites, how does that translate to the online world? Um, because the Jam study is amazing. That's, that's sort of where this principle really started to evolve from. Mm. Now, your competitor's website may have, and this is why a lot of clients come to us to simplify the process. You, their website may have every product offering, every single headline, every single banner. That's and you, yeah. that's, that's very common. Whereas what we say is, okay, take all of that away and just give them one choice. Get, so that how that translates to online world is going from a website to a landing page, as an example, if you're interested, without getting too off topic. But there is also the argument where you say, actually, I want to maintain choice. Um, I've got a great selection of products and they're all fantastic. Um, there's a gap for this, 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 this within the product range. And I think I should be offering it fine. That's awesome. What you must do instead then is make the journey, the meaning, and the context of what you're offering a lot easier. So what do we mean by that? Let's look at some examples. Um, we've got a couple of people's names in the notes, but I'm aware of, say, Gary Vaynerchuk. Mm -hmm. So he's got a wine company with, you know, he's got a wine company and the wine store will have a lot of choices. So what he did is made the customer's journey slash experience in purchasing wine a lot easier. He would have a tasting session live on YouTube, maybe try one or two or three or four wines and say, your first purchase, if you're at this level, is these two wines as a bundle. Or this selection here is a great starter pack for wine versus trying to walk into a wine shop thinking, okay, where do I start? This is, I, I see there's a lot of choice here, but it's, again, it's too overwhelming. So the way to make the experience easier is maybe package it up, in terms of an idea, a meaning, a starting point. But I think that's the point. And Carl, you got another example. You want to expand on that one? Yeah, Marcus Sheridan, he, I mean, more famously, he wrote a book called They Ask You Answer, which is all ah, about that's him. Yep. Educating, in, uh, educating your market in order to sell later. Great book. Um, but he did this with swimming pools. So building a swimming pool is a big, complicated project. Um, and he just produced a lot of content, which made it easy. Um, he chunked up what it is you need to learn, what it is you need to know, what kind of stuff you don't really need to worry about. And he, he gave people all of that information. Gary Vaynerchuk did a really interesting thing with the wine, which was he would say, yep, this is great wine, this is great wine, this is great wine. He would also exclude things. He'd say, this is a really good wine, but unless you've been unless you've been appreciating wine for quite a long time and you have a really sensitive nose for Bordeaux, it's not worth the extra $50 or whatever. He would, he would exclude certain things, um, which is a very brave choice. Mm. Um, but he was doing that because it makes the customer's journey easier. He was saying, yeah, you can buy this. I mean, it's a great wine, but 
unless you're really into Bordeaux and you really know the difference, I wouldn't bother. You can get this one. It's twenty dollars, um, which is it's, it's very counterintuitive, but it makes so much sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's great. So that's so that's the first way you can do this. Just ask yourself the question: How can I make it easier for the customer? in this marketplace? How can I solve their problem in an easier way, make their experience easier? And we've given you a whole bunch of different examples in that section. Now, the next way to do this is by removing overwhelm, uh, working on the fact of how can I make my customer's life simpler? So the first one was easy, whereas this is simpler. So there's, there's, there's a difference here. I mean, there is overlap, they are connected. Mm. Um, but so people looking for ease, they've already started their journey. They've already made that first step. And now they're starting to hit roadblocks like, oh, crap, which of these 17 blenders do I buy? Um, they've already started at least. With overwhelm, it's a bit different. It's when you approach a complex subject and it's there's just too much immediately. The, 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 let's say your competitors are saying, okay, you need to do this, this, and this, and this. You want to lose belly fat. Okay, great. Read these 10 books, uh, work through these workout protocols, uh, buy this 150,000 watt blender, whatever it is, they give you all of this stuff and it's too overwhelming. And that means you do not start. Um, you do not even get onto that value ladder in the first place. Um, whereas yeah. ease is about, all right, you're on the value ladder, you're on your journey, you're starting to solve your problem. Um, but you keep hitting these roadblocks and we, as business owners, we want to remove as many roadblocks as possible. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, they may not start the journey for various reasons. One is, look, okay, there's just too much. This is just confusing. This feels overwhelming. If somebody feels overwhelmed, they're not going to do it. That's that's just a common behavior. But also it could be the fact that there's a lot to do here. I want to start, but mm, now's not the right time. I'll start a bit into the future. So that's a <coughs> that's another way to approach it. And this is, this is interestingly connected to what we just talked about, about remote yeah. choice from a website. If you have 20 different options for a product, mm. okay, one, that's, that makes it harder for the customer. They need to go and research. They need to find out what other people think. They need to read reviews. It's just a lot more work. It's more difficult. But it's, um, it's also very overwhelming to deal with that amount of information, which is why when we work with clients, we tend to use it's called a sales page or a landing page. It is one page that has one product on it and it talks you through why this product is right for you. And they have the choice. They, they have a buy it or they do not choice, uh, buy it. What this allows us to do though, we haven't got rid of the other 20 products. We are just laddering them. Yeah. We're saying this is the entry level product. You start with this. This is absolutely fine. This will get you going. This is the cheap $20 Bordeaux that Gary Vaynerchuk will talk about. And then once you've purchased this and you're using this and you understand it, and you've learned a bit more about uh, what you like, what you don't like in this niche, then the other products will be introduced. You can say, okay, that's great. Um, have you thought about upgrading to this version of the product or getting a subscription for the product? But you are, you're chunking down the information that the, the, the customer has to go through. So instead of throwing everything at them, at the same time, them throwing a hands up and saying, well, what's the point? I might not, uh, might as well not even bother starting. Instead, you're saying, no, don't worry, nice and easy. Um, start with this. This product will get you started and you'll, it will get you on your journey. And then we start to introduce the rest of the products. 
Yeah, and Carl saved me there as I was choking uh, from lack, lack of water. Now, the other way to, to make things simpler and reduce overwhelm is by simplifying the information. And Carl's added a, a good example here into the notes because we were speaking about it offline, off air on, the, on yesterday's show, which is think about providing an entry-level um, starting point in regards to information when solving somebody's problem. Because, yes, we've got a big headline, which is a problem, but they may not be aware of the complexities of that or even be be in a place to understand the complexities of that. And I'm an example of that. So a great book called Thinking Fast, Thinking Slow uh, is a great example. That's an entry level book in although it's if you've read it, you're thinking, but it sounds it seems complicated It's a difficult read. And it is. That's why I said to Carl, I said, yeah, it's a complicated read. But he said that's actually the entry level book. That's for the every person, the layman, as sometimes it's described. Now, the the actual context of that book and the subject is way more complicated. Um, it's 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 been written, it's been expanded on for decades, and it's complex. It's got the the, the experiments, it's got the outcome of the experiments. So this book, Thinking Fast and Thinking Slow, is would be something not necessarily ebook because it's complex so the subject matter is slightly different but it would feature early on as an entry point of information for a customer now if they love what they read and they want to explore this deeper then they can move on to the more complex item which is i can't even pronounce it but the, the kahneman and tversky it's like I, oh can so kahneman daniel kahneman and amos tversky Tursky? I've never said that. They're the researchers. Tursky died just before Kahneman got the Nobel Prize, but they would have Mm. got the Nobel Prize together, which is which is really awful. And I think and I think there's a Michael Lewis wrote a book on their friendship. I think they got a a very interesting dynamic in terms of friendship. So I'm curious about reading that book. their big book is um, Heuristics and Biases, which is in two volumes, and each volume is like thousand pages and it's it's full of research etc so you might after reading thinking fast and thinking slow think wow this is really important stuff and then you might invest in something like heuristics and biases if you wanted to get into depth but if somebody just (laughs) tried to sell you heuristics and biases um volumes one and two for 400 pounds or whatever it is you never read it no of course you're not going to read it so never read it you never buy it you'd be like how is this going to be useful whereas the entry level book like if you get, if you go that cover to cover, you're like, actually, this is this is some good stuff. And then you may, whether or not you read it, that's a different topic. But you may purchase the book. Um, you know, that's 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 where the premium offer would would trigger because the introduction everyday book is like, okay, this is an amazing subject. Whether I read it now, or I read it in the future. I need to have this on my bookshelf, and that's where people will go ahead and buy the four or five hundred dollar yeah. um, volumes. Now, think you're really smart if you have it on your bookshelf too. <laughs> exactly. Lots of lots of different reasons for why people make purchases. So remember, the concept that we're talking about here is easing somebody in. And the way we described it in the week is having sub problem answering sub problems that people will have, which fall under the banner of the main big problem. And that big problem will have smaller questions. So we help answer their question at different stages. So it's simpler for them to absorb. And it's simpler for them to take action on, simpler for them to solve that problem quickly and say, right, now I've got a new problem which solves, which needs solving. Ah, great. The next item on your value ladder can help solve that problem. This is, we just, and simply put without any jargon, this is easing them in 
to the value ladder. Mm-hmm. That's that's a nice way to allow them to purchase more, but also get better results because the end product, that two volume mega book, it's just not going to do it. It's just not going to provide any meaning or context or even be understandable or digestible to most of the customers. It could be in the backyard chicken niche. It could be in the heuristics niche, whatever. It still needs easing in. Customers need easing in. The um, Yeah. So from a practical, actionable point of view, what does this mean for you? It means, is there any way you can look at what a competitor is doing and create a much simpler version? Um, a way to make it more appealing to a larger amount of people um, and to ease them into that market. Um, So focusing on people that your competitors may not even be thinking of yet. Mm, Absolutely. Um, Because the, the, the fact, the very fact that we're using a value ladder is, is already putting you at, at an advantage because most think about most businesses and even friends, you know, who's starting a business, they've got a new idea. They've just got this one product and it's their premium product or it's got a large, the price is irrelevant, but it becomes their premium product. Now that means it sits um, within the service sector. Typically it's a service. That's why I I put it there, but it could be a product which is at the higher priced end. If you see here with a physical item, not the, not the entry level. So the fact that you have a value ladder or you're exploring this or you're starting to identify your value ladder gives you a massive leg up on the competitors um, because most don't have it. Most will have the ebook, most will have the one-off product, uh, most will have a service, but they won't have the, the step up in between. Um, so, so by doing this, this form of competitor, competitor analysis and saying, how can I do it simpler? How can I provide an entry level point sets you apart just by doing that one principle. Mm-hmm. So instead of thinking about the individual products and services, which is where most people focus, we're thinking about how these individual products and services are connected. What is the pathway between um, these different units of value that we're given the market? Very few businesses think like this. They're thinking about one product at a time. Yeah, because if, if we look at this on the, like, from an, like uh, say we're floating out and we're looking down on the surface of this business and we're looking at the value ladder and all the, the different comp- competitors, we can start to link some of the competitors' value ladders in terms of a journey. And what you'll often find is the following. They provide the product, i.e. they've got 10,000 ebooks um, that get sold every month, but they have nothing after that. Or they've got a subscription service, but they've got no way to get people to learn about that subscription service, i.e. the ebooks missing, or they have, this is the most common one, is they have the service here and they get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of customers, but they've got no ebook, they've got no uh, course introducing people here, they've got no membership site, a low entry uh, point to their premium service. And that's a real shame because what that means is there's, it's a shame and a waste because there's lots of customers still still who have a problem that is not solved. Um, and that's a big gap and a big opportunity. And all you have to do is just simplify, simplify the fact that somebody's got a service, they don't have a subscription of product, it's just simplify the process and allow more people to enter. And in a weird way, you'll be doing your competition a favor as well, um, because you'll be introducing them to them uh, as a, you know, as a natural benefit, but that's okay. Um, because they would have bought into you and trusted you, but um, that is a a good thing, I guess, to do for the market to start introducing value ladders. Yeah, again, solve people's problems. And 
A value ladder is a very nice way for us to do that because we are putting out units of value which are easily consumable, they're easily actionable by the people who matter, who are at the end of the day, the market, the customer. And we're helping mm. them through this process and solving their problem step by step by step and escalating them up this value ladder. Um, and very few businesses do this. It is just one thing, as Harm says. Yeah. Now, the third way in which you can better serve the market, better solve the problem is make whatever you're offering more engaging. So that's another gap. Make it more engaging um, because it, uh, an engaging can mean lots of different things. And we'll, we'll discuss this um, on a conversational basis, which is, you know, make it more engaging, make it more fun, make it enjoyable. Now, we're not talking about making a fool of yourself or what typically people would feel like they're making a fool of themselves. We're not asking you to put yourself in an embarrassing position uh, or feel like you're in an embarrassing position just to get, you know, clicks or attention or or the perceived element of enjoyable. So we're not saying wear a clown costume. We're not saying um, do anything weird and wacky that you may feel uncomfortable doing. Um, that's just terrifying anyway. You know, that's not, I mean, clown costumes and doing other weird stuff alienates parts of the market as well. So it's also not about making it falsely funny or, or wacky. Um, and of course, this is going to depend on your personality. You may naturally be a hilarious person, in which case you're not deviating from something that you're already comfortable with. So that's fine. That makes sense. So how what, how do we want to do it instead? Yeah, sure. There's a whole bunch of different ways to make um, your products and services more engaging. Mm. The As you just said, we don't want to just say, hey, make it more engaging, be more engaging, be more fun, be more exciting, because yeah, that's that's not going to work for everybody. It's not going to work for every niche either. Um, instead, one really solid way uh, to make something engaging is to add community. So the basic idea of engagement is we want to build mechanisms into our products, our subscriptions, our services, which make the, the process of getting from A to B, of solving the problem and getting to an end result, it makes it uh, more likely the customer is going to actually complete that journey. That's what we mean by engaging here. Um, there, it's adherence. It's going through the process of completing, reading the ebook, going through the course, or uh, using the product that they've purchased. That's um, engagement and adherence. So, community is one of the quickest ways to do this, and it's especially uh, powerful online. So, we can build communities into our products. Um, so, I'm talking about it could be a Facebook group could be a slack group like we run um it could be a forum so something like backyard chickens uh, one of the biggest com uh, sorry not competitors one of the biggest companies in the market runs the biggest forum so they have created this community and off the back of that they sell books and courses etc um but what community means is you're getting all the people who are interested in this topic this is your market you're bringing them into one place and you're letting them chat to each other you're letting them um discussions, share tips, reviews, etc. Very simple. It means a couple of things, though, in terms of adherence, in terms of engagement. So the first one is accountability. Um, if you are, let's say you've written an ebook, which tells people how to, um, uh, how to set up, how to get started with beekeeping, for example, if you also add a community, people can go to that community and 
um, kind of say, hey, I'm getting into beekeeping and um, I'm going to, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this, this, and this, and this. Um, or if it's in weight loss, hey, everybody, I'm excited to be in the community. My goal is to lose 20 kilos by Christmas or whatever it is. Um, a community is a good place for public accountability, um, for finding your tribe. Um, this is something that we talk about elsewhere. Um, and for getting kind of support and positive uh, feedback and positive peer pressure from the other people in the group, which makes it more likely that you're actually going to follow through from A to B. Um, so that's mm -hmm. one really cool thing. Um, the second thing is that communities allow you to break through roadblocks. Everybody on their journey from A to B, um, trying to solve their problem, they're going to hit different difficulties and their difficulties are going to depend on their personal situation. So it's very hard for you as a, a business owner to account for all of these in your products and your services and your subscriptions. However, if the customers have a place where they can go and they can ask a community of 40,000, 50,000 other people who have taken this journey with you, um, then the community is going to be able to help them get through those roadblocks. Mm, um, yeah. It all means engagement. And importantly, this isn't, this is engagement with your product, with your service, with the process um, that you are giving people, but it doesn't rely on you. Um, to be constantly engaging people. Instead, you are outsourcing the engagement to a community of people, to a tribe. Yeah, and where this really typically can play out in your value ladder is within the subscription phase. Um, so you can charge a, whether it's paid or whether it's free and they need an account or they need to be in a Facebook group, which allows um, some sort of, I need to join this. Can you please allow me into the Facebook group? So it's a private closed community. Anything like that forms very, um, sits really nicely here in subscription. So if you think about the process so far, we spoke about making things easier and also making things simpler. Now, easier and simpler very much fall into a, a great place to uh, leverage the product opportunity. So if you're thinking- Getting them started. Generally. Getting them started. So if there's a gap in the product area on your, you know, you, you're creating this chart here, a uh, value ladder chart. and there's a gap here or think about the obvious things that should pop into the head is how can I make things easier and how can I make things um, simpler, less overwhelming for the customer. Now, great. Now, when we're talking about making it more engaging, now we're talking about uh, naturally subscription. So if you, you find gaps in the subscription part, when you're doing your competitive research, um, think subscription just naturally. Again, these have overlaps. You can apply all over the place, but think subscription. Now, what about service? Where can we best leverage this and introduce a service into the market? Well, this falls into the final um, way in which we can better serve the market, which is to be faster, which is to be quicker, which is to provide a result and a solution for the problem now. Because what you may find is with competitors that they're occupying phase one or phase two, the value ladder, um, the product and subscription, but when you're having a look at the competitors, nobody's helping the end customer get the result now. Because as we know, there's a lot of people out there who like convenience, they want the result, and they're more than happy to pay for that result. They've got no objections with that because, you know, you are doing them a favor, a massive favor by giving them that offering now. They want it now. But your competitors may not be doing this. They may have all the how-to books in the world, but they may be missing a critical point in the value ladder, which is the service, the you coming to physically do it or having a team of people who help you do that 
by providing the service. Now that can also play out in the online world as well uh, in many different niche categories. So when I say physical, it could mean literally you go to somebody's house and create and build their chicken coop. That could be an example, but that can also be done via many digital mechanisms as well. You can provide services online. Um, you can provide lots of services online. If, you, if you're curious on what kind of services you can provide online, I would suggest you check out the ebook which we've just purchased, just come to mind. Um, and there's a list, public list, which is available for free. Now that is in the description below. There's lots of different links there. But what's great about the book, which is on sale on Amazon for less than a dollar, less than a pound, is we add commentary around different ways you can use the online world and provide a service. Now, if you've identified a gap and you're wondering what's the quickest way I can provide a service, go check out that ebook. It will categorize some areas in which you can immediately leverage some websites in order to provide a service. That's fantastic. That's in the description below as well. And that that became an Amazon bestseller just this weekend past. So that's a cracking book. So I think so now honing coming back onto subject, which is how can we produce it faster? Carl, have you got anything else you want to add to there? Because I've given it a introduction, but is there any particular method? Sure. Um the two. So let's use like the fitness niche. Um, can I see your value chart quickly? Yeah. Uh, I'm thinking of something like London Muscle. London Muscle is a, a fitness niche about workouts, etc. So their main product is a PDF ebook, which is very expensive. I think it's about 50 quid um, and it's full of workouts and I think some nutrition advice. The subscription is meal plans. They uh, team you up with a nutritionist, but I think they're just sending you monthly PDFs of uh, meal plans they also do subscription product uh which is um, what's it called like protein powder mm. um so and then at the end service they have training and that can either be online training or one-on-one -on -one in one of their actual gyms so that's an example of a company that's really nailed it down they have the product the subscription and the service the service is going to be the most expensive obviously but it gets you to your end result faster um, because maybe you've already got the PDF, maybe you've already got their uh, protein powder subscription, but you're not getting the results you want. So that's where the faster service comes into play. It's for the people who have the money and they're impatient and they want to get that result right now. Um, and that's what you can do in your market as well. If there are lots of people providing products and there are people providing some form of subscription or community, um, but nobody is saying, okay, I know you're ready. I, I know you want this. I'm going to guide you through. I'm going to get you to that result now. Um, then that opens up another uh, another area of the market that you can move into where your competitors are not. Yeah, because the reality is a lot of competitors won't have this in place. They'll have all the products or they'll have just created their product. And when people come to them, say, hey, uh, do you do this as a service? They may say, yeah, sort of. Okay, let me just take you on as a client. And they may be doing ad hoc or becoming overwhelmed with that, that, that type of um, service that they're providing because they hadn't planned for this within the value ladder. There was no thought of, I can provide this as a service and the demand is going to be there as a service. And the demand will be there as a service if you ease people in, entry, middle part of the journey, the end part of the journey. So just bear that in mind um, when producing your value ladder. So don't be, don't be too concerned. Again, the focus is not on what the competition provides, it's identifying the gaps. Um, because I think, look, the reality is if one or two competitors 
are providing the service, there's plenty of room for more service providers. They're just people haven't entered the market for various reasons, or simply they just don't, they're just not aware of this value ladder. They don't know how to escalate their customer through the value ladder. So it's massively important. Now, I think there are two, uh, two other, very quickly, um, if you are providing this faster service, there are two basic ways to do it. One is going to be consultation, coaching, mentoring. So if you are a personal trainer, that's what you're doing basically you're giving people advice you're making them accountable and you're guiding them through the journey um you can't ultimately do it for them though uh, which is the second way that we can provide a very fast service which is um, done for you where we literally come in we take over the process and we hand over the finished result we hand over the finished product obviously with something like weight loss we can't do that we can't just um, make somebody lose weight it needs to be a process um where you're working with the client, with the customer. So depending on what your particular niche is and what problem you're solving, you need to think whether this is a done-for-you service, as in 100% hands-off and you, you as the business do everything for the client. If so, that's going to cost quite a lot of money. Or is it more of an ongoing consultation um, and mentoring with them to guide them through the process of solving their problem? These are the two basic ways. Mm, absolutely. So now let's, that's, that's a four way. So we've described to you four different ways in which you can serve the market's problem better, um, all which fall within the value ladder. So product subscription service, and it's, it's amazing. So let, now let's talk about actually constructing your value ladder. Now you've got all of this laid out. You've got the competitor analysis. You've got it on sticky notes. You've started to categorize things. You start to think about can I provide things easier? Can I provide things uh, simpler without overwhelm? Uh, can I be more engaging, getting helping people from get to A to B and actually getting to the end process rather than getting bored and dropping off um, for whatever reason they find boring? Or could it be helping them get the result faster? And again, all of these fall into the value ladder, product, subscription, service. Now, you, when analyzing the market, you may find some real obvious gaps, some natural fits. You may find there's um, a, you know, you may find there's lots of eBooks on the topic, but no videos. Great. That, that helps you enter the market immediately. You may find that there's lots of people providing the done for you service, a premium product, but nobody providing the do it yourself version, the, the core, the eBook, the co video course, the subscription uh, element. So that may be an opportunity. So sometimes there's just going to be these wide open gaps, which you identify and that there's, uh, it, it, by getting through the process following from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and now Friday off the BBO show, uh, within this particular topic that we're talking about, there will be gaps because by just simply by following this process, you've already identified niches that work. So that's, that's the important thing here. When, if you're, if you're just tuning in today and you're thinking, yeah, but what about this? What about this? What about com uh, competitors? Is there any space in the market? All of that work is done. Remember, we've identified a handful of niches, or you may have honed it down to one now, mm -hmm. where the niche works. There is a market, there's a gap for you to introduce. And now we're just identifying how best to enter that gap how best to serve the marketplace better rather than if you think about right at the start, just copying what the competitors are doing. That's not the purpose here. We want you to stand out for yourself, but the best way to do that when starting is, because it's very hard to get your personality across immediately, is easier, less overwhelmed, more engaging and faster. So that's the critical ways. 
Absolutely. Um, so it's been hopefully a very useful process over this week. And now we want to quickly guide you through an exercise, which is the capstone. It will help you come out of uh, this week with a single piece of paper, which basically has your business plan on it. Um, obviously, business plans are um, much thicker, but they tend to be less useful than what you're actually going to have, which is a single piece of paper. Um, so we started the week by defining what our market is. We then agreed we were going to, to focus on solving our market's problems. We're going to find out what their market, uh, what the problems are, and we're going to focus on solving them. We're not solving our problems, we're solving their problems. That was on Tuesday, I think. Um, and go back and watch that if you are not on board with that. Um, now what we're going to do is we are going to, at the top of a bit of paper, write down who our market are and what their problem are, what their problem is. Um, so. You, a big piece of paper is going to be useful here because eventually we are going to have a value ladder on it. We are going to write at the top, I help blank to blank. And the first blank is going to be, I help, um, gosh, um, urban, what are we doing? Are we doing backyard chickens? I help urban, I've lost your audio, Harms. Uh, sorry, I, I, I muted. Somebody's knocking on the door. Uh, I think stick with backyard chickens. We've done it all week. We should see it through. I, I help um, urban garden owning people who want to have. Um, sorry, no. I help urban 20 to 35 year old um, environmentalists, let's say. Let's say that's our market. We mm. earlier on in the week, we home this down um, to raise their own backyard chickens for the purpose of um, receiving eggs. That would be the problem statement. So their problem is, um, I want to raise backyard chickens and get eggs. I do not know how to. Mm. How, how do I, how do I, um, how do I raise chickens in my backyard in the city? There we go. Thank you. And then underneath that, we are going to draw our basic value ladder and this is going to go become the how the how are we going to help the who to do what <laughs> sorry there's lots of words in there i know i know i'll be drawing it alongside you yeah. how are we going to help the these uh urban uh, environmentally conscious um 20 35 year olds how are we going to help them to raise backyard chickens in their garden in order to get eggs so the how is going to be our value ladder so we recommend you start with the classic value ladder um the one that we talked about yesterday so that's going to be um, in your product, you're going to have an ebook, you're going to have a course, and you're going to have some kind of core product. It might be a physical product or it might just be a more expensive digital product. Then we're going to have a subscription. Then we're going to have a service. That's just five uh, elements that we're going to be putting together. Obviously, depending on your niche, it's going to differ. Maybe you'll have a different. Um, Maybe you have a different mix of products, subscriptions, and services, but this is a nice place to start with right now, just with the five. Mm. Um, now, for each of these, we've already gone through and had a look at what the competitors are doing. This is where we can stick all our um, post-it notes onto our value ladder that you're drawing out now. Maybe you've already drawn it, that's fine. Um, but we're going to stick all our post-it notes with the competitors' products, um, so that's ebooks, courses, and uh, physical products. We're going to stick the post-it notes on the different areas of our value ladder. We're going to do the same thing with subscription and we're going to do the same thing with services. That's going to tell us whether there's any giant gaps in the market that we can automatically go into. 
that's fine. Um, but then for each of these value forms, so for ebook, course, product, subscription, and service, we're going to run through those four areas we just talked about, the easier, simpler, more engagement, and faster. Um, I'm bringing it up. You've I got, drew pictures today because I got bored of writing. That's good. Um, and then your answers to each of these, and this is going to be a process that's going to take a while. Um, so for let's say we're running that process on ebook, we'll run through uh, easier, simpler, more engagement, and faster based on our competitive research. We answer those four questions. And the answers that we come up with is our response, our response to how we solve the problems of the people in this niche. Um, this is how we carve out our particular place within the niche. Um, so you might have been worrying about this all this time, like, well, how, how do I carve out space? And this is the answer. It's mm. through all of this work that we've been doing. Um, we've been giving you a lot of tools, but it's going to be this final exercise um, going through, and for each of these five, ebook, course, product, subscription, and service, answering those four questions based on the what's already available um, and coming up with a better solution. And if you go through and do this with all five uh, units of value, you have the basis of an online business, a very strong online business. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, once you've come through this, the answers here, uh, you work through everything Carl just said and this entire week will help you carve out your place in your niche. That's the key here. And that's where your creativity can come in. But what we didn't want you to do is fall into the trap of having all of this creativity, but no direction to put that creativity in. Um, that becomes very dangerous. It becomes very expensive. It becomes very time consuming. So if you've got all the creativity, amazing, but we've given you a framework, which in to express that creativity within. And that way you're going to get the results because we're talking about a business here. We're talking about the, the focus. So let's go through four things that we've helped you in regards to the framework this week to summarize the entire week, which has been really amazing. Number one is the focus. The focus here is solving the market's problem. That's number one. So we apply our creativity into that area. Number two is we, we provided a starting point. What is already being offered by competitors is the starting point. And then how do we improve that? So that's number three, a framework to improve and in which to create our, our expand our product, our idea, our ebook, etc. into. So by putting things into the three value ladder, value areas, which we defined in the week as well, is product, services, and subscriptions into this value ladder here. That's important. And then we've added the structure that helps customers flow in between that. We've made sense of that now as well. And then finally, we've given you a method to refine this. So for each element, we ask, how can you make it easier? How can you make it simpler? How can you make it more engaging? How can you make it faster for your market to reach their end result? So that's the framework. Now you can go creative and have so much fun with this. That's great. But hopefully this framework has helped you get to your end result. You know, the way that you're going to help your customer and your and the marketplace get to their end result. By doing this, you're going to create a business that also helps you get to your end result, which is, if we go back to the start of the week, it's, you know, I want the successes. I want the, the better income and finances. I want the enjoyment of having a business and operating it. I want the, the, the prestige it brings, all of those cool things that you may be entering a business for or have the idea of entering the business for. You can achieve those. 
but by solving the market's problem first. And it's an it's ex exciting prospect. Mm -hmm. There's lots of work to do. But once you've got this built, and especially if you can get as, as much of this as online as possible, it's going to be incredible for you. In terms of that, um, we are going to be covering those individual value uh, units in subsequent weeks. We've already gone through how to build a course, uh, but we'll also do ebook. Uh, we'll do a subscription. We will do physical products. Uh, we will do services as well. So we will be putting together additional trainings for each of these. But right now, what you have now is a, a context, a business framework to put everything in. Yes, you have the focus of uh, solving market problems. That's a massive one. Starting point uh, with starting with competitors. The framework is the value ladder you've just been given and the method for refining. Um, is the final thing is how we can best serve the market using that value ladder by asking the questions about making it easier, simpler, more engaging and faster for the market to reach their end result. Yeah. Uh, so yes, this is where you turn on your creative juices. Um, as an entrepreneur, you start to think about uh, what you can be creating, but we importantly have a framework to slot these individual pieces into. So you don't just have a hodgepodge of different products and services. You instead have a business. You have a mm. business system. Yeah. And for those who follow myself and Carl, you know, we talk about this, this system here, the baton system, which is, you know, you put an idea in and out comes revenue at the other side. So where we've really honed in and spent time this week is on the first element, which most people miss because it requires all of this work. And we do appreciate that, but hopefully the framework means it's more fun. There's a systematic approach, gets you from A to B within the business part of Baton. And then we can worry about marketing. Mm -hmm. So you, the, the attracting audiences' attentions, forming a tribe, getting them to purchase the product, all of this stuff comes later. And we've even covered this in parts of the shows in different, in different niches, different areas. But this is really the fundamental first step. How do you start a business? And so if you can get that piece of paper that you're just holding, if you can get it filled in for your niche, that is potentially a business plan for the next year, couple of years. Um, it doesn't need to be a, a thick wad of paper with lots of Excel charts. The actual thought of the structure of your business can fit on one piece of paper and it will look a lot like that. Absolutely. So, so this is, it doesn't look like much, the end result, but that's the result. It's going to be the result of a lot of work, a lot of thought, a lot of creativity. Yeah, and it's ex extremely diff difficult to do, but the rewards are amazing. Like Carl said, years a, a business plan for years, um, and that allows you to focus for years, which allows you to make money for years and have a sustainable business, which is fantastic. So thanks for joining us this week on the BBO Show, where we've been literally from the, from the ground up helping you identify your, your own market niche and how best to serve that market niche, regardless of if there's competition in there. So thanks for hanging in there. If you've got any questions, and the reality is you should, because there's a lot of exercises, there's a lot of processes within what we've covered this week, then the best place to get at me and Kyle and talk to us and ask us these questions and get some answers is within our private Slack group. And that is in the description below. So go click that, go check that out. Slack will ask for your email. We don't get your email. And then that's the best place to talk to us because answering questions on some of the questions may be private. So that's that's another thing. You may be thinking, okay, I want to protect this niche idea. That's fine. You know, chatting to myself and Kyle about that, 
we're too busy to, to take your niche, if I'm or being honest, but we can help you build that niche out. But you may not want to put it out into the internet. So a place like YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, where we stream, you may not want to put that in the comments. Come chat to us in private within the Slack group. Also, it's difficult for me and Carl to answer your questions all over the all over on every different social media channel. So Slack group is the best place. Number two, don't forget to subscribe to the BBO show. Follow it on YouTube and follow it on Twitch. Best place is watch us live on YouTube at 12 o'clock. And then it's then the recording is kept for you. So if you can't watch the whole thing, you can watch it later back on recording. The show notes and the video can also be watched with a transcript on bbo.show. So that's you just type that into your URL, bbo.show, and it will come up and you can enjoy the course in a different format, the show in a different format. Awesome. Don't forget that to grab the ebook as well. That's in the link below. I spoke about that midway in the show, so you can go check that out. I won't talk any more on that subject. Thanks for joining myself and Carl this week. We shall see you next week. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Have a lovely weekend.